audio. Hi, my name is Mark Houston, and welcome to this next episode of My First Concert. I have been working in country radio since I was 16 years old, so it's been decades. And I've always worked in relatively small markets. The market I'm in now has been the biggest I've ever worked in, and it's still, it's it's not that big. I'm in Rapid City, South Dakota, and I love living here. I love this part of the country. But I've always wondered what it would be like to get to know on a personal level a lot of these artists that I have played so frequently throughout the years. And being in the part of the country that I'm in, I've never really had that opportunity. I mean, don't get me wrong, I've met almost all of these artists I play, everyone from Garth Brooks to Shania Twain to Jason Aldean to Tim McGraw to Luke Bryan. I've got to have small conversations with each of them, but I've always wanted to get to know them a little bit better and ask some more personal questions, I guess. I finally have that opportunity in Chansey Williams. Chansey was born and raised in Wyoming, and his career has taken off over the last five to six years that I have had the opportunity to get to know him. Being the opening act for the NFR, going on tour with artists like Toby Keith and Cody Johnson and Aaron Watson, and really making a big name for himself all over the country. Just recently, he and his band got to play the Ryman down in Nashville. So now I finally get the opportunity to ask all of these stupid questions that I've always wanted to do. And Chansey, being just the unbelievable stand-up guy that he is, tolerates me every step of the way. So Chansey, thank you so much for being on my podcast, My First Concert. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, I don't know if you've been... Uh, well, I know you have, because you're, you're a big fan of almost anything I do. I get that. For um, sure. <laughs> but, uh, we've uh, started a podcast a while back uh, called My First Concert, and it's been fun talking with um, not just artists, but educators right. and producers and roadies, anybody that's been drawn into, into music. Right. You know, because it seems that all of us that are involved in it, it's it. every time you have a conversation with somebody, they always point to, they can point to a moment, which I think is pretty cool. So you, Moorcroft, Wyoming, born and raised, right? Yep. Ranch kid. That's right. Is that what it was? Yep. Just, that's all we did was ranch and wrestle and rodeo. Well, how many, <laughs> how many, uh, how many members in your family, Chancey? Well, my mom and dad, and then I have two brothers. Okay. So an older brother and a younger brother. So five of us growing up, we just... Yeah, my parents bought our place in 1985 over there around Keyhole, and okay. we just grew up working. Right. But, you know, we, my folks took us to a lot of rodeos, and we wrestled in the winter and rodeoed in the summer, so it was a great upbringing for sure. But, well, that, that's— that, You know, but it's, like I was telling you earlier, it's a, it's the second least populated county in the least populated state, so, I mean, you don't see a lot of people, and if you don't want to, it's it was great growing up there. Well, that's—now, now that's interesting, because you are now— in a position and in a field where there are thousands of people around you. Right. Almost constantly. Sure. So when you were growing up that way, um, you know, you said it was great to grow up that way where there's hardly any people around, but did did you kind of have a, a, a desire to, to be with more people or to hang out with more people? I guess so. You know, I kind of like 
being in social scenarios where there's lots of people around and people are laughing, having a good time. But, you know, grew up, uh, you know, my, my folks bought me a guitar when I was eight. I, I didn't really take it very serious, but, you know, thought I was kind of wanted to play and it was neat, but I didn't know how to. <laughs> right. I still don't really know how to, but that's why I hire a good band. You know? <laughs> well, were you, what about your brothers? Uh, what the, your mom gave you a guitar. Did they give one yeah, to your brothers no, too? No, Charlie played took piano lessons a little bit, but, okay. you know, maybe for like a short bit. Sure. And then Chase never really was in music, but, you know, my granddad had a band for 30 years, and so, like, my mom's dad had played forever and had a band and, you know, was successful in the region. So I think mom wanted me to follow in his footsteps, which I ended up doing. I play his guitar today. Wow. But uh, I guess that's kind of where I got it was from my mom's side. Well, how did how did how did she how did she pick you out of the three kids? I mean, well, I'm the middle. I'm the, she, I'm the luckiest the one. Kid, they can yeah. kind of do whatever the they want. Right. You know, like they're on Charlie to get married and have kids, and Chase to get a job. Like Chance, you just go do whatever you yeah. want. You know, we don't care what you do. Right. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna just travel for the rest of my life. Like, all right, well, have fun. So you 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 grew up, uh, uh, you know, ranching and and with that rodeo lifestyle, and and then yeah, in a in a place like Wyoming or around here. Uh, you know, the big sports are sports like football and, and, and wrestling, of right. course, is a big deal around here. Right. So uh, what, what, what drew you to wrestling? Well, my dad was a state champion in 1969, mm-hmm. and so, like, our family has just always been a wrestling family. And dad coached us all the way through USA and then coached us in junior high and high school, too. Okay. So we'd always just, you know, I was 6'2", weighing 119 pounds. I probably should have been a basketball <laughs> player, but. Man, I was bad at basketball. I just, it wasn't my genius. Coordination the, wasn't the... Me and my brothers weren't blessed with this uh, ability that everybody else has called catching or throwing. Um, I, know, I don't know when fathers pulled their kids aside growing up to teach them how to catch and throw, but... I mean, if you want a good laugh, the right. three of us will go have a throwing contest <laughs> with you. And All right. I want to know. Yes, I definitely want to do that. So we figured out pretty young, like, we better wrestle. Sure. At least we can out, you know, we have, we're kind of bullheaded and we'll just... Have, you know, well, well, I'll beat you some way. Yeah. Well, most of the ranch kids I knew growing up were the best wrestlers. Well, for that very reason. You still have no quit in you. And <laughs> right. you're just like, well, I don't know how I'm going to win. I just I'll figure it out. <laughs> exactly. But so yeah, I mean, loved wrestling, and uh, I, I I knew probably after high school I wasn't going to wrestle anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fortunate. I won state twice, and uh, I was satisfied with my wrestling career. And like my older brother. Charlie never won state, but Charlie's the best wrestler of the family. Went Dickinson and wrestled for five years. Oh wow, yeah. My little brother Chase is really tough too. Chase could have went to college, he just didn't want to wrestle in college either. But I just knew, you know, I'm, I went to college the rodeo because mm-hmm. I was like, you know, even even at that point when I graduated high school, that music was second. I was just going to be a saddle bronc rider. I was like, going to go to college, probably PRC rodeo for quite a while, and see what happens. Well, did you start that in high school? Yep. Yeah. Along I was, with wrestling. Yep, I was riding bucking horses when I was a freshman in high school and liked it equal to wrestling. But, you know, they're off-season, so you could kind of focus on mm-hmm. both uh, equally. But I just knew when I got to college, I had scholarships to go ride saddle broncs at Casper College. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do that. I okay. went to one wrestling practice at Dickinson and figured out really quick that I don't want to be a college wrestler. <laughs> That's a serious those program guys over are there, too. Too tough for me. They they and, are. Uh, but wow. I, knew, I knew I just loved rodeoing and – Loved riding bucking horses, and and still always I had the band through high school and college, and but it was always just kind of something for fun, you know. Like it, it was a good excuse to get paid a little bit and 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 to throw a party, right? You know, I was, even in high school, I mean, 
if my folks listen to this, you know, we were, we had a band so we could throw parties. <laughs> right. We weren't really focused on how good we could get or how we sounded. Mm-hmm. It was, hey, we're going to go practice over in the shop. <laughs> Buy a 30-pack keystone. Practice. Practice. <laughs> right. <laughs> Our friends from town are going to come out and watch us practice. <laughs> that's That's one of the most interesting parts of the conversation I wanted to have with you. Growing up in a ranch family, being a wrestler, being a saddle bronc rider, I, I'm, 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 I need. Where is that music? Then what? You know, because that's that's those are all. I'm trying to figure out the the right way to say this. They're they're very tough sports. Okay, right. There there there's a certain attitude that goes along with that toughness, and a lot of guys that have that toughness aren't the sensitive musical type. That's Does true. that make sense? For sure. Okay. Like, you know, that's why a lot of people in music, their, their career doesn't go very long. You know, it's, it's easy to give up. Right. And, and I always credit wrestling to our success in music and my success when I was riding bucking horses. Like, I just had no quit in me. Like, I, I didn't truly believe Dad had me trained wrestling that there was nobody that could beat me. Was there? Yes. I got beat some. In bronc riding, every time before I nodded, Dad's like, there's no way any of these horses can buck you off. Was there? Yes. But I, I just didn't believe it. Right. So, like, wrestling teaches all this mental uh, strength mm-hmm. that you don't get from other sports. And, you know, wrestlers will tell you that. Like, there's nothing you can't tell us we can't do. Right. And so I've applied that to music. Like, did we start out good? No. I mean, it took us a long time to learn. I didn't know anything about music. Right. I was telling you, like, I know a whole bunch about ranching. <laughs> and a lot about rodeoing, and I have a master's degree in public administration. <laughs> and I chose to do music, something I literally knew nothing about. Like, I'm going to try something I know nothing about. <laughs> but being the the bullheaded wrestling mm-hmm. mentality type, like, I will figure this out some way, and I'll figure out a way to beat everybody else in the end game. Right. It might take me a little longer, but I will <laughs> get to where I want to be just because I've set my mind to it. So, like, and the competitive nature of of wrestling and rodeo I've applied to music. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not like you're competing with other artists. Everybody's different. Right. But in my mind, I'm like, what they do, I'm going to try to do a little better, you know. Are you you satisfied with where you're at right now or not Yeah, for sure. I mean, if I had to go back in time and I'd have done things different, Mm -hmm. you know, and and some younger artists coming up that are starting, I try to give them some advice of uh, things that would have sped the process up a little bit. You know, we spent a lot of years just playing cover music and uh, making ends meet being a kind of a bar band, which I don't discredit at all. It Mm -hmm. got us where we are today, and I loved every second of it. But if I had shortened that a little bit, focused on writing and recording my own music a little bit sooner than I did, things would have happened a little sooner, I, I believe. Right. But wouldn't change anything. And definitely satisfied where we are. I mean, it had been easy to quit a lot of times. But, like, things every year just keeps getting a little bit better. We keep getting bigger shows. You know, we signed with WME. Right. We got all these things happening. The music's getting better. People are – the shows are getting bigger. You know, we're playing with big artists. Like, Mm -hmm. last year we played with Toby Keith five times. And Alan Jackson got to play the Ryman in Nashville. It's like, well, we must be doing something right. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. We just keep hacking away and trying to play the game – the correct way and you know and just just work hard and it's been working out so now well you were pretty successful though in saddle bronc too yeah i mean I'm, you you were i, I think and uh, correct me if i'm wrong because i'm trying to remember this but you were the only other rider slash 
singer to do that at Cheyenne Frontier Days, right? Yeah, you know, so, like, it's hard to play the main stage at Cheyenne. Right. Because, like, I mean, it's a handful of artists every year play mm-hmm. it. You know, and, and to ride there is not terribly hard, but it is hard. You have to have your, if you're a rookie side of the Bronx crowd, you have to have your permit, so you have to be, and you have to get into Cheyenne. It's tough, so, like, when I first rode at Cheyenne, there were separate years, but I rode at Cheyenne a couple times, and that's when I thought I was just going to rodeo forever, and then I'd have never dreamed, you know, after I rode that day going to watch George Strait that night, that someday I'll be, be playing on that stage. Yeah. I didn't think about it. So, yeah, I mean, uh, does part of me think if I'd have stayed with rodeo, I'd uh, been more successful? I, I think so. I mean, just because of my grit. You sure. Know? Like I'd, <laughs> right. Same thing. I'd have found a way to beat him. Yeah. I think, you know, but like I went to the high school national finals when I was a senior and then went, made the college national finals twice, which is not super easy to do oh no of course not especially in this neck of the woods you know like all the south dakota saddle bronc riders and montana and wyoming saddle bronc riders, it's tough it is so and then after that is when i kind of just chose to do music after college but i think you know if i'd have stayed with it some of my friends that had made the nfr i was competitive with right so in my mind i'm saying like well if i'd have stuck with it traveled with those guys maybe i'd have been to the nfr a few times mm-hmm. my own self but i decided at after college, like, I was kind of doing everything. I was picking up rodeos. I was riding bu- bucking horses. I was singing after the shows. I was doing too much. It's like, my dad said, he's like, just pick one you want to do and do it really good. So I weighed all my options and it chose music because, you know, I, I knew the rodeo career would end. Right. And you can pick it. You can be a picket man forever if you want just for fun. It doesn't pay great, but it's, it's a great, mm-hmm. fun thing to do. And music I was looking at guys like Merle Haggard and Willie Nelson. They're they're playing until they're 80. Oh, exactly. So like, I can sing a long time. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll start that. And Your I, body I, will thank you for it as exactly. well. <laughs> and I, I knew I couldn't wait to uh, pursue music till I was ready to be done rodeoing because that's, you know, it had been too much of a gap. So I was like, I'm just going to hang mm-hmm. up. Cliche, hang up my spurs. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. It's kind of true. Right. I was like, yeah, I'm just sure. going to. Well, but you've played the NFR. Yeah. Musically, of we, course. We you, played, you were still there. We were in yeah. front of the Yellow Buck and Cheats four exactly. times. Like, in a way, like Dad said, he's like, you made the NFR right. four times in a different way. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. Did, you know, like, would I like to ride bucking horses there? For sure. But, like, right. it didn't happen, I, and I chose this path. Yeah. So, like, be happy with, hey, I get to play a song. In the dirt in front of the yellow buck and shoots. That's so, uh, yeah. So I mean, the feeling there still uh, that had to be pretty overwhelming. The first time you did when you it, stood out it there was, was great. It? You know, yeah. I remember when they first called us like, man, it's one song. But I was like, I don't care. Like we're excited. oh, that's all it was was yeah. just the one the just first time, one, just opening ceremony, one song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's that's. Uh, I mean, it does speak to your determination. Obviously, you you know you're on the road. God, how many how many days a year are you guys out? It depends. It's I mean, it's, it's hard to think before COVID. You know, right. we, we try to do 100 play days a year, which mm-hmm. puts you on the road 175 days a year or right. more. It just kind of depends. Back when we were a bar band, shoot, we were doing 220 days a year because you get those stints of like five nights at a club and then turn around and do five nights at a club, then nine days at Cheyenne, then, you know, 10 days at Rally. Right. So, like, those start to add up. But now we're, you know, doing the actual artist thing. Mm-hmm. You do one offs everywhere. So, like, it's less dates, but you make more money. Who yeah. ever told me that? <laughs> so, so, so somebody told me that 15 years ago. Like, play less, you make more. I'm like, what? wow. I don't follow. I like that. <laughs> right. it doesn't, it's not like any other job. But. Uh, so 
Well, in the, in the, in the whole in the whole point of this podcast is, um, uh, you know, when when we have conversations with guys like you, uh, you know, it always does come around, and and it's, and and you said it too earlier that almost to a person that we've talked to, especially people that play guitars, somebody there was either just well there was one in the house and I went over and grabbed it, or right. somebody in my family gave me the guitar right. and I started. Right. Uh, I. I think I think that's super super interesting. That that what if they would have given you anything else? You know, what if they would have given you a stand up bass? What right. if they would have given you a? Would, would you have been or as a interested? Box. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Man, I don't know. Chicks don't really dig that kind of squeeze box, I guess. <laughs> well, you know, you've been the first one so far that's been honest about the women. All right, right. you've been the first one well, that's. And let's I, I be appreciate honest. that. That's yes. why everybody starts playing music. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, if it wasn't for. Guitar. Uh, I may yep. have never even talked to you at this point. <laughs> I mean, so I'm very fortunate that uh, I play guitar barely. Thank God for that guitar. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Been um, fortunate. Now you uh do you remember the the very first concert you went to where when it was done or while it was happening, you you were just beside yourself for lack of a better term, you know, that you were like right. this this I wanna do this. I wanna for sure, be like, there. And like so, like, the first five concerts I went to were all Chris Ledoux concerts, just because of the rodeo oh, world. of course. Like, there you uh, go. He played at the high school finals in Gillette. You know, we lived in Moorcroft, so mm-hmm. we all went over. But, like I said, growing up in Moorcroft, you're kind of sheltered to, like, uh, concerts. I mean, Rapid had a lot of concerts and stuff, but we never come over for those. Right. So, you know, watching Chris is, like, it was, it was really neat, you know. Like, and knowing that he was just a, a cowboy from Wyoming, a rodeo cowboy from Wyoming, like, man, I think I could do that too. It's what, that's how he started. Exactly. And, you know, and Dad and Chris grew up going to college and that were, were friends. So, like, and we were friends. Oh, I didn't know that. The, that's cool. Yeah, they both went to Casper College, and they were a couple years apart in age. But we, the Ledoux family uh, and our family knew each other growing up, you know, as good friends with Will and Bo and Cindy and Ned and Clay some, but they were a bit older. And no, Ned, probably the best now. Right. But, you know, all growing up, when I had the band, get compared to Chris a lot. And I, I never really wanted to, even though I loved it. Mm-hmm. I didn't really want that because, like, there's only one Chris Ledoux. You know, all these interviews over the years, I try to dodge the Chris questions because, like, it, it's easy to – we're similar. Both rodeo guys from Wyoming. Right. It's, well, and there's only been a couple. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> you know. But, like, you know, Ned's do, out doing his thing. I was like, man, I, that's Ned's department. Mm-hmm. You know, Ned looks and sounds like – like Chris and but like there's no way to deny where I got my inspiration when I was young to start was definitely Chris Ledoux you know and George Strait I'll, I'll always remember there was that commercial during the NFR where George Strait was sitting on the porch with his dog playing check yes or no and I just seen it the other day on TikTok and I was like that's what actually started me playing <laughs> really every week or every night of the NFR all 10 nights they'd run that commercial so much George Strait singing check yes or no yeah. on this porch with this dog and i was like man i really want to play guitar because that's cool yeah but like the first concert yeah it was chris but i would say george Strait had definitely a huge impact in it too just of also another cowboy that sings like, exactly man i could do that i think <laughs> and you're i mean it is kind of a that what you do is kind of a rare breed right now really i mean if you want to go to contemporary country music Obviously, the the production and the whole—I mean, it's 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 a process. It is. It's it's a it's a conveyor belt in some mm-hmm. instances, and what what you're doing, you know, kind of more towards you know what a lot of that. 
I, I I don't I don't like the term red dirt, but I, but everybody knows what it means, right? Right. Um, you know, you're you're you kind of lean, I think, a little more in that direction, sort of. But those guys too, it, it don't it, seem to have the background. It, it's a funny business. I mean, for sure. And like, we we get lumped with the red dirt guys a lot, mm-hmm. but we're not red dirt. No. And, we, and we, we play with the Nashville guys a lot, like Parker and stuff. We're, we're, we're not really Nashville. I would say I would say we're more Nashville than red dirt. Yes. Just and like we played Steamboat this year, and like the Texas scene is so protective of their guys it's right like texas all the way <laughs> just ask them they'll tell yeah. you no kidding and every song has the word texas in it and somewhere. i love those guys but like we even played steamboat this year and they have the lineup of all the acts of this red dirt festival and it gets to us it says chancy williams wyoming country like they had to like tell everybody these guys ain't from texas which oh i love hey, I, well i would have worn that like a badge of honor it yeah. separates us you know right. and so like it's it's a funny business there's these like you know these pockets were, either, are you Nashville? I was like, well, we're not really Nashville. We're not Florida Georgia Lion. Are you Texas? Like, well, we're not really uh, Casey Donahue. Right. We're, we're kind of on our own island up here. We're, we're Rocky Mountain country music. We're, we're Wyoming country. And call it what you will. Like, we don't, we don't really try to make our sound like anybody. We just sound like what we think sounds good. And it exactly. turns out like our own sound. But like you said, the mainstream country is, is a conveyor belt. Sure. You know, they, uh, but 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 times change, you know. Like they call them hat acts. You mm-hmm. know, George Strait and all these guys in the '90s. Some were wearing cowboy hats, and they're like, "Ah, oh, it's not cool." Right. They've been gone for a while, but it's coming back. You see, like John Party, Cody Johnson. Yes. I seen Riley Green the other day had a, was wearing a cowboy hat, and I was like, Wait, I, 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 "I would love to shape it for him." <laughs> yeah. And I, I think Riley's a great singer and a great songwriter, and a great guy. But like, man, if you're gonna wear one, look. Let us cowboys help you out a little That's bit. Right. Go get some steam on that because you're going to need a little. <laughs> yeah, because Cody looks good. He's a cowboy. And John Party got his hat from American Hats. He looks good. And, you know, we obviously in our neck of the woods know how to wear a hat. But, right. So, but but I think I think the wave is coming back a little bit where the, the hat acts are, are mm-hmm. kind of cool again. And, like, that's why we're, we're rooting for Cody Johnson and, mm, and John oh, yeah. Party. Like, if those guys are successful, it helps guys like us because then around Nashville, conveyor belt action again. Right. Like, well, that worked. What's this kid from Wyoming doing? Yeah. You know, like, he's got all this traction, playing all these places across the country, not just Wyoming. He's playing, you know, from the Mississippi re- River to, to California. Right. It's like, wait, 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 he wears a hat, too. Like, it's 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 funny how the, the, the town is full of copycats. You know, Florida Georgia Line is a great example. Mm-hmm. Whether you like him or not, that was super successful. Yes, it was. And they copied that a thousand times, mm-hmm. and those people were successful. Right. But then it got to a point where people were like, ah, oh, kind of heard it. Still working a little bit. I would say it's maybe on its way out a little bit. People are going for the newer sound, like Chris Stapleton stuff, more uh, real music, yes. authentic stuff. And even the John Party stuff and Cody mm-hmm. is starting to latch on. So, like, is that wave coming? There's no roadmap in country music no. or in music in general. So, like, nobody can foresee the future. Mm-hmm. But it's just funny how those things work. So, like, if those hat acts catch on, are they going to try to copy that whole bunch? Yeah, you know exactly. What I mean, I don't. We don't know, right? And but do it, you, if even if it doesn't, do you do you care that much? I mean, we, do you? We don't. obviously you would like to be well, Chris and, and Stapleton like, sized arenas, you know, for and sure. everything. But and you know, and like with that success comes, uh, you know, a lot of those acts that you think are real big, you hear them on country radio, like man, they're stars. We're making a hell of a lot more money than a lot of those guys on country radio, just because of the way the system works. Right. 
you know, those record labels pump in millions of dollars to get you a number one single on country radio. Mm-hmm. It's not that's not free money. Right, exactly. You gotta pay that back. Right. So like that comes out of your touring money. <laughs> so I mean like do we have the nationwide notoriety that uh, some of these other acts are getting? Not yet. If it comes, we would look at the deal and see if it fit us. Right. If not, like, no, we don't care. We, we're, we're one of those acts that is selling hard tickets, selling merch. People are coming to our shows. We're making money across the nation, mm-hmm. good money, without that stuff. So, like, at some point, the record labels, they're going to want a chunk of that. And then if you get big enough, you have the leverage to say, oh, we'll see. It's at my terms. It's like Cody. Cody signed a great deal with Warner. Right. One that's never been signed before. It's like Cody still owns his masters. Like they don't own Cody. Excellent. So, I mean, those deals pop up. I mean, obviously Cody Johnson had huge success because his streaming numbers were right. off the charts. So, like, it was a little undeniable. We come from an area that – country where a lot of people don't even know what streaming is which is not <laughs> it's, it's, true. it's not bad we're just right a lot of people are like when's your new tape coming out <laughs> well they're for sale at the coffee cup and Moorcroft. they you get your cassette tapes there but no and like in nashville standards i was talking to some guys in nashville last week that like w- technically we've made it mm-hmm. like you're making money you have 10 people on salary on the road right playing full-time like there's not many nashville guys that are actually doing that and so, like, uh, record deal would be cool if uh, if it was done right. Mm-hmm. And they get those young guys that just sign their life away. And, like, at the end of the day, you've never really made a career out of it. If you have one number one hit and don't follow it up, then you're kind of done. Mm-hmm. Hope you like doing something else. Right. We, we've built a career where, like, like I said, we've built this foundation of fans that are driving four to eight hours to come see us that are f- true fans that have been with us the whole way. So, like, they're in your corner root and yawn. Right. Because to them, once we – the bigger we get, they can say, hey, we helped them get there. Yeah. Like, like we're the ones that helped Chansey and his guys get there. Yeah, and that makes the whole thing feel like and, a family. And they feel like they want it. Right. And, and that's where the, the Red Dirt thing's a little back backwards to me because, like, like when Cody signs with Warner, the Texas fan's like, oh, sell out. Or, you know, it happened with uh, Pat Green. Right. He was one of the biggest Texas guys that broke out and had mm-hmm. nationwide success and was like – Oh, he sold out. I was like, you guys helped build him to that. Shouldn't you be proud? Like, <laughs> yeah, put him exactly, on a pedal, pedestal man. and be like, man. Look what we did. Look what we did as yeah. fans. So like, that's where like our neck of the woods, fans are like, man, we want to get you to the next level. What do we got to do? Right. Like, we'll buy everything you put out. Right. And we've been fortunate to have that fan base that's that's true fans on social media, not like bought and likes or bought mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, our numbers might not show what some – Nashville guys show, but like I guarantee you, we, we throw the same show in Colorado Springs. We get the same amount of people because ours are true fans, right? You know, so oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, now I told you this was a podcast, so you can swear on it. Oh yeah, well, shit. <laughs> yes. Oh, perfect. Now we are, I, we are drinking whiskey. Now I got to put the little check mark on there that says explicit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's exactly that's what I wanted to do. So <laughs> our new, our new, the single art for on the tears me smoking a cigarette. You know, we we had a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we were in one of the meetings here. And Dean's like, hey, I just want to show everybody the the picture that we're going to use, and so then and then that was the whole that was the whole controversy that was brought up is, well, Chancey's got he's smoking a cigarette. That's uh, 
Well, that's interesting. I, I don't. Uh, I don't, I don't smoke. know what we do. Right? Exactly. You don't. You don't smoke. But, but yeah, it, was, it looks but, so it look, cool. Oh, it does look cool. Kids don't smoke. But God, Dude, it looks cool. I've tried to smoke for years <laughs> just because of how damn cool it looks. Right. Like Marlboro Man, just like I mean, just holding a cigarette, you just look like a badass. You Everything do. in your mouth, but like. God, it's disgusting. <laughs> so gross. Like, I just can't. I can't wait for everybody to see that picture. It's fantastic. And I was worried about my parents. It's like, you know, uh, it's my mom going to think about this picture of me smoking. Right. I'm half drunk in it. <laughs> and uh show it to my mom. She's like, you look just like my dad, your grandpa, when he used to smoke oh, and wow. drink. And she's yeah. like, I love this. Because granddad had a band. Of course, And we yeah. drank, and he used to smoke. And mom loved it. I was like. Send it. That's yep. That's the one. I was like, that's the one we're using. (laughs) Uh, Chancy man, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, You know, I've uh, you and I have had a lot of conversations over the years, anyway. But it's you know, it's nice to just kind of get to know you a little bit more. For sure. Thanks for asking me those questions. I mean, we never get to tell the story of like you know how how we made it. Exactly. In in our minds, made it. And granted, we're so competitive, it's not over. Like we're still digging in. Like we had a meeting today with with management. Say hey. We're not satisfied. Right. Even though, like, you could get complacent and be like, oh, we're doing good. Mm-hmm. We're not. Like, we want to be headlining the monument. Right. Like, what's next? Yes. And we see what Parker's doing. We see what Cody's doing and Party. Like, we want that. Right. We're not focused on guys that are doing the same thing as us, mm-hmm. swinging for the fences. And what's rewarding to us is, at the end of the day, we, we know that nobody gave it to us. Exactly. So, like, yeah, has there been a lot of miles and a lot of time put into it? And it has been all the work in the world. Versus, like, if I moved to Nashville and then two years got a record deal, would it mean as much? Hell no, it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, at the end of the day, when somebody can say that, well, they had overnight success, like, sit down, <laughs> friend. Right. Let me tell you some stories. <laughs> like, I know every piece of gear we own because I've used to set it up all the time. <laughs> yes. And, like, it's just it's super rewarding to see the success of the band and my crew is how much work they put in. Like, someday when it even gets bigger than it is now, we can say, nobody gave us that. So it's it's fun to tell people that that no matter where town you come from or how small, you can make shit happen. It just depends on how much work you want to put into well, it. Well, and that's what I hope people that will listen to this uh, will will take from a lot of it is it is hard work and it is a little bit of luck. And if you know, will, will you will you make it to be the the world's ultimate superstar? Who knows? But are you happy doing it? Exactly. That's really like we the get key. people all the time. It's kind of the passive aggressive question that like, do you still like it? It's them being like super jealous of your job. Right. But do you like it? They want to hear you they hear some negativity. I'm like, Well, let me see. I'm on the road with uh, nine of my best friends. Mm-hmm. We get to perform in front of thousands of people and it's tour across the world. Yeah. It's, I would say it's the best job in the world. And uh it's just it's it's the best and uh I wouldn't trade it for anything. Excellent. But, yeah. Excellent. Buddy, thank you again for talking with me, man. Uh, I can't wait to see you out again, uh, especially this. I got to see you somewhere not here. Where's Where are you going to be? Where's like the, the next place that's not around our area that you'll be? It's hard. You work all the time. I do. I mean, so like. I really do. You're right. You nailed can it. Can you actually get away for two you know, days or three days? I got to hold on. I got to mark this where we're recording this so I can play this back for Dean. I mean, Chancey says if I Dean work. wouldn't work you so hard, you could actually fly out for a couple days. We'll yes. go to Nashville. That's I mean, where I want to see you guys play. Yeah. Going to Vegas soon. We're playing Perfect. at uh, Red Bluff, California in April for the rodeo. It's going to be awesome. Oh, um, that'll be a big deal. we got deal. a lot of cool things okay. coming up. Yeah. All right. I'll see you at one of those. I'm going to make it a goal this summer then. Hey, if I have for to sure. write Dean a letter to tell him <laughs> Please. that Please I need do. Mark Houston on the road. You got, we're doing, we got to do some radio bits. I know. That's, and the only place it's you can content. catch me is on the road 
on the bus. How am I supposed to do that, Dean, if I'm not on the bus with Chansey? It's so, true. You got a bunk ready, my friend. It's done. We're ready. Thanks, man. Appreciate <laughs> it. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of My First Concert. I am Mark Houston. I am the host and producer of the show. It's engineered by Chris Jaquez, and all the audio and visual work is done by our own Russ Haddon. My First Concert is on the Home Slice Audio Network, and if you like what you heard, a great review is always appreciated.